The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. In today's episode, Trident Room host Mike Wish sits down with Sense 21 instructors, Colonel Todd Lyons and Dr. Peter Dennings. All right, welcome to the Trident Room podcast. Uh, today I have two guests, which might be a first for the show. At least it's a first for me. I have Colonel uh, Lyons with us today, as well as Dr. Denning. And they are both here to discuss their upcoming course, Sense 21 Innovation Leadership. And let's just start with uh, Colonel Lyons. Sir, if you could just give us a quick background on who you are and why you're here and what this course, we'll get into what this course is about here shortly. So floor is yours. Outstanding, thanks. Like, I really appreciate being here. Um, my name is Todd Lyons. I uh, retired from the Marine Corps about a year and a half ago. And uh, even before that, I've been involved with uh, Dr. Peter Denning, teaching innovation leadership. And really, uh, my central role today, as it has been, is bringing together the emerging technologies and the, the practices that go along with them, the students, to meet the interesting operational challenges of the Navy and the Marine Corps uh, and the broader DOD. Uh, in background, I actually came through NPS uh, as a student uh, about 21 years ago and graduated in National Security Affairs as a Middle East Foreign Area Officer uh, and then served subsequently about nine, 10 years in the Middle East uh, and has had just a fantastic time. Again, linking the people, the technology, to meet the challenges that we face as a country. All right, well, welcome. We're really excited to have you here as well. Uh, Dr. Denning, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you very much. Good to be here. Um, I've, I'm a professor in the computer science department here at the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, I'm a bit of an unusual professor in, in that I not only teach computer science, but I also teach students how to be innovation leaders, which are, which is a concern that's much bigger than computer science. I got involved in this many years ago when I was at George Mason University because many of my students were were uh, employed part-time while they're taking their master's degree. And they all had this question about how they transfer what they're learning in technology into practice in their organizations. And uh, so we invented a course to help them figure, learn how to do that. And that, that course has, uh, Todd and I have adapted what we learned way back then to the current situation. And it's really, uh, really exciting to see how people can uh, light up and, and grab onto these practices that we teach and take their projects out and see them get adopted into the Navy and the Marine Corps. Yeah, I, you know, seeing the flyer that came out recently, the thing that struck me as really most interesting was the student endorsements um, at the end of that flyer. Uh, so the first came from an Air Force Captain Horn, who's a foreign area officer in the National Security Affairs Department. Um, and he talked about conversations, relationships, um, international partners and confronting peer adversaries. And then uh, Gunnery Sergeant Brandon Smart had followed up, who's in a, in a different curriculum here, um, where he discussed learning the greater picture of innovation, challenging your own beliefs in areas that you thought you were familiar with, um, exploring 
practices of innovation and removing guesswork. So Colonel Lyons, is, as you two have created and fostered this course, and it's now gone through many iterations, let's just say, here, I'll pose it this way. I'm a student here at MPS. I saw the flyer come out in an email and I thought that looks really cool. And I put it in my, I'll read this later because I'm so busy. Why should I go back and read it? And why should I get involved in this course? It's a great question, Mike. And the question I would come back with you is, do you actually want to make a difference? Yes. Do you want to make a difference? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Yeah, in absolutely. what we're doing yeah. here at the Naval Postgraduate School and for the nation. Because I think that's the difference. In many of the courses, it's about what can I gain from it as a student. It's what do I get from this. And in our course, it's actually helping you make something appear in the world. Make it appear in the Naval Postgraduate School. Make it appear in the Marine Corps. Make it appear in the Naval Services. Or make it appear in the DoD. And, you know, you talked about Lindsay Horn. She's a fantastic officer. And guess what she was doing? She was transforming how we do storytelling to compete in the battle for the narrative. So you take the normal National Security Affairs student, they're learning about their region, they're learning the basics of political science and political economy and how does that work. And it's great for them and building a thesis that will then go in Calhoun Library that no one will ever read. And what we say is, our claim is that you can be an innovation leader you can drive the adoption of new practices in your community, you can make a difference. And so it really comes to, do you want your time at NPS to be meaningful and to deliver results for your service and for our country? And if the answer is yes, then come join us. Well, that was a pretty good pitch, sir. Uh, I like it. Now, I'm not a foreign area officer, right? And I I don't have experience in that particular area. I'm a technical guy, right? So, uh, Dr. Denning, I, I heard you mention you were a professor in the computer science area. If I'm a technical person and I'm involved in a very technical thesis, how does this course apply to me and, and how can I get my ideas out there? I can tell you the same thing I've been telling students for uh, almost 30 years now on this question. is uh, when, in the, when you study in the university, you learn all about ideas. So you come to class to absorb ideas, you come to class to gather information, you do projects to generate a few new ideas, but it's always about ideas. And the thing you're really interested in, some people call it impact, we call it adoption. People want their ideas to get adopted. They want to see other people using their ideas, putting them into practice, doing useful things, and that's where the, the value comes from. That's where the satisfaction comes from. So what we did is we shifted the emphasis. We said, we are not in the business of invention, that we're not in the business of inventing a new idea or a new artifact. We're in the business of bringing about adoption of new practice in our community, or in your case, in your community. Uh, and that's a skill set that you're probably not familiar with, but it's not hard to learn it. And once you learn it, you will be amazed at what you can accomplish in getting your ideas or other ideas that you come across, for that matter, getting them adopted in your community. Well, that, says, that sounds like a tall order, right? I mean, um, I, I, I think I might have a great idea for a thesis, but it may be in a very narrow sliver of, of research that is applicable to maybe only a small area or two. So 
uh, let's say, well, I'll take myself for example, I haven't selected a thesis yet, but I'm looking at a, a swarm drone project, right? Uh, it's one I think is really cool. It's right up my nerd alley. Uh, how can I take the skills and knowledge and results from that and scale it up and, and give that to someone else to then adopt and employ? So that's a great question. And one of the things that I highlight is we actually help transform what you just said. You have a big offer. And the big offer is transforming how we fight. Are we going to fight off these big platforms with tons of man platforms going forth to do the battle? Or are we going to leverage artificial intelligence, autonomous systems, and a disaggregated battlefield in order to dominate the battle space to win the fight and ideally deter the conflict from ever occurring. So that, that is exactly the, the essence of what we want to do. The other piece that I think is really important is having you realize that what seemed like a really narrow, very specific project has these enormous implications. And if you keep it in that really narrow field, probably not a lot of people are going to be attracted to it. And what we help you understand, we help you practice. How do I bring people together? How do I mobilize them around the idea? How do I drive the adoption in a community? And then how do I sustain that over time? And those are practices. And so one of the arguments that we make is these are not esoteric bits of knowledge that you have in your head. These are practices that you can do and get better at. And literally, it's the reps and sets of the practice that make you better. And by the end of it, uh, the desired end, end state of the course is early adoption of your innovation project. Well, it's, it certainly sounds fascinating. And I, I have no doubt there's quite a few students that are interested in this. But uh, maybe to more of the administrative questions that probably students have, right, which is, Hey, is this a class that I enroll in here, or is it after my normal studies? What's the time commitment look like, right? It's, it sounds like the benefits are worth the expense, but maybe we can narrow down more on, on what the expense is for the average student. Well, I, I can give you a quick summary of that. This is a regular class. It's uh, three credit hours, so that means we meet three hours a week. We do it in one continuous block. Our preferred time has been noon hour to 3 p.m. on Thursdays, which seems to be the time when most people can get together for a three-hour block. And we chose a three-hour block rather than, say, three one-hour sessions because our students get into some pretty lively conversations and we don't want to stop them because the clock said it's time to switch to something else. So the conversations are can play out. Everybody can get something out of them. The, it's a three-hour course. So we do have readings. Uh, we have a couple of videos for people to make and uh, to describe their projects and make their offers. The, the uh, total time outside the class is typically three to five hours a week to do the homework and, and the uh, other things you need to do, conversations you need to have to push your project forward. Okay, great. Let's say that uh, next quarter I'm just slam packed, and I uh, this course sounds awesome, but I just don't have time. Is this is this offered every every quarter? We offer this course uh, typically every other quarter, but uh, we're prepared to do it every quarter if there's demand. Okay, and, and how many students typically sign up for for this class? Um, it really depends on lots of things. We've had uh, 
groups as small as seven, and we've had groups as large as 22, I think, this last time around. Well, I bet uh, with a class uh, that size, the conversations did probably get pretty lively, didn't they? They do. And we have, uh, in addition to the students who are enrolled, we have several people who are facilitators in training, and they're there to learn uh, how to lead their own sections. Many of the students like the course so much, they come back for a second time around to learn how to be a facilitator, so they can go and lead their own sections of the course wherever they go next. This is our, this is our way of bringing the course uh, to as many people as possible. We can't do it ourselves personally, but we can get uh, a lot of people to help out who want to help out. Well, that definitely sounds like a fascinating experience for those folks that come back and, uh, I guess, lead some sort of small cohort, right? Um, so what, uh, let, if, if you don't mind, I loved the example of uh, Captain Lindsay Horn and what she was able to accomplish. Uh, Colonel Lyons, what other, could you give just a, maybe one or two other concrete examples of what students have been able to accomplish uh, following this course? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, in the course, uh, we recently had one of the students that's currently at Naval Postgraduate School, Lieutenant Bridger Smith, and, you know, his big declaration is that it's crazy for us to continue to have whiteboards and Excel spreadsheets to do maintenance on a billion-dollar submarine. And because of that, you know, he's implementing, a, he's actually implementing a program to be able to move it from the whiteboard and the Excel spreadsheet to an, you know, uh, automated system with artificial intelligence in the background to help put, get maintenance back on time and on schedule uh, and under cost, which again, that's a huge issue for the CNO is fleet readiness. And if we can't have our vessels ready to go on time, then A, we're not ready to, for the fight, but more importantly, we're over budget uh, every time. And he's actually making a difference in his community. And through the course, he also realized that he could have these conversations. And so he's not alone in doing it. He's driving the adoption of these practices by partnering with his submarine, the USS Nebraska, by partnering with the shipyards, by partnering with Black Pearl, you know, the software development factory for uh, the Navy. And it's bringing all those different uh, stakeholders together in order to drive something and create something new. Another one that uh, I think was really impactful is uh, Lieutenant Sam Royster, who had the idea that uh, all ships should be clean. I know that's a crazy thought. He must have been a Navy chief in a past life, I no, think. No, but yeah. he, again, he's a sub, submariner, and he looked at our ships and said, why do we, why are we satisfied that the hulls of our vessels are always dirty? That's the standard, you know, whether it's barnacle buildup or it's, um, you know, things that just accrete over time. They're almost never clean. And so what if we had an automated system that you could use to clean off the hull so that the standard of cleanliness is that the hull is clean and free of defects? And it also means that you can tell when, if you're on a submarine, you've got a panel that's loose and it's going to cause you problems once you go to sea and negate your ability to be, you know, stealthful. So these are real-world solutions to real problems that they're having. We've had other students that have gone out, um, one that worked well in predictive maintenance, um, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Bartos previously, 
uh, Captain Michael Whitaker, both from the Marine Corps, driving the transformation of how the Marine Corps thinks about and executes logistics. And the gift that they had is not the thesis that went into Calhoun. It was the practices that they were driving across the Marine Corps. And many of our uh, alumni from the course are now associated with the Center for Adaptive Warfighting, doing what? Bringing these practices to the broader Fleet Marine Force. And that's what we want is not just what we do here, but that our students become the drivers of innovation across the Navy and the Marine Corps. All right. Well, let's say that, uh, you know, so I had a, I have a, I have a crazy idea. Let's take cannons. Uh, let's put, let's take a munition, hollow it out and let's fill it with a, a hundred uh, explosive drones. We fire this thing 60 K these drones get deployed and then they search for heat signatures and they go kill bad guys and destroy equipment. Uh, that sounds like a crazy idea. Uh, I don't even know if I could do a thesis on it. But I come to your course with that you know, ridiculous notion of how to fight with, with artillery, that, nothing that we've tried before. What are we going to cover over the, over the few months that I'm in there that's going to help me get from where I am now, which is this crazy drone artillery strike to the end point, whatever that end point looks like? We, ha- we teach uh, what we call the eight practices of innovation adoption. And they're, let me just name them for you, just so you get a sense of what they sound like. And then I'll tell you how they apply to your problem. Uh, We call them sensing, envisioning, offering, um, adopting, sustaining, navigating, and mobilizing. And we also have another one we call embodying. So that's that. These are eight practices. And with these practices, you can engage into the conversations that lead to adoption of your technology, your idea. It may not even be a technology. It may be just a new way of doing things. So we work our way through these. We have The first thing is we ask uh, the question, which is the sensing question, is what is the concern in your community that you can take care of, or you're, you're going to take care of? And it turns out that people have to do a lot of work with this. You've got to go out and talk to people to find out what they're concerned about. And you have to learn to distinguish between your idea of what they're concerned about and what they are actually concerned about. If you can't find what they're concerned about, you can make all the offers for what you want to do. You can think up, but nobody's going to accept them. So you need to make offers that people care about. That's what sensing is all about, is to find out what they care about and offer that to them. So in your case, you, know, you have an idea about automatic um, uh, uh, drones looking for bad guys with heat signatures. So first question is going to be, is anybody in your community care about that? And so that's what you're going to go find out. And chances are you'll find their... They care about pieces of that, and uh, we'll help you refine that, but you'll, you'll get an articulation of the concern that you are addressing, and that is the foundation for going forward with this. No, that's perfect, sir. I think that gives uh, everybody a really solid idea of, of what it might be like to come to this course with some far-out plan or, or some idea 
of what they're interested in or the problems they want to solve, and then the approach uh, that you gentlemen would provide them and help refine to get to get to that endpoint. Uh, as you said, the embodiment and, and adoption of a, of a new practice or a new technology or just a new way of doing things or looking at problems. So my final question uh, for, for each of you then is, let's suppose that I'm a student and I have no cool ideas. Uh, I am making it through school. I think this course sounds really cool, but I, I don't have anything original maybe that I think I can offer. Should I still sign up? Absolutely. And, and the key of this is that uh, innovation isn't the invention of a new idea. You know, that's what Peter already talked about. Right. It is, in fact, the adoption of a new practice. And so when you come to class, whatever community you came out of, and I know you came out of the artillery community, you came with a set of concerns, and you're like, why are we doing it this way? And if you are a student that has a frustration or a concern about how we're doing current business, you are the person we want in the class. The person that would not benefit from the class is the person that just doesn't care. If you're apathetic about achieving results, we are not the right place for you to come. But if you want to move in the world, if you want to shape the world around you, if you want to make impact and make your time at MPS meaningful, this is the right place for you to be. Steve Jobs had a wonderful quote, is that he was always looking to design computers to do things that would make a dent in the universe. And uh, there are a lot of people who would like to learn how to make a dent in the universe. And that's what we show. We, people who come to this course can actually learn how to do that. It's not a Steve Jobs special thing. It's something anybody can learn if you, if you do the practices we teach. Oh, wonderful. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this course sounds really fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in the boat where next quarter I am slammed. But I very much look forward to taking a part of this course uh, when it's offered again, either the next quarter or the quarter after. And I think that uh, it would be very beneficial for a lot of students, whether they have great ideas or not, to learn how to be uh, better innovators and better innovating leaders. So thank you both very much for your time today. Thanks, Mike. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. This episode was recorded March 26, 2020. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash podcast.